I first met Dr. Rob Jones in Wrexham in a meeting that was held to oppose the new Titan prison that was planned for that town. Rob grew up just up the road in Rhyl. That prison became HMP Berwyn, which is operating under capacity with lots of problems and with most of its inmates from outside Wales. This prison and the overcrowding of prisons in general is of much interest to Rob. His research has shown that Wales has the highest incarceration rates in Western Europe. Like the author of the Thomas Commission report, and almost everyone else who has a view on this, Rob favours the devolution of the criminal justice system to Wales. We'll be talking about that and more. Croeso Rob, welcome to the Leanne Wood podcast. Thank you for having me. Can I ask you, first of all, to tell me what first sparked your interest in the research you do on Wales and the criminal justice system? Yeah, sure. Really, my interest is in prison and we kind of stretched out over the years to the whole criminal justice system. But growing up and living in real life, I knew of people who had gone to prison. And of course, I knew that they'd gone to England, which I always thought was peculiar and was aware of the problems that that then presented their families. Also around that time and relatedly, that there almost seemed to be this relentless campaign in North Wales for a prison. The Daily Post was, you know, every month at some point, someone had declared their aim to secure a prison in their area or a minister had been quoted on it in the comments. It, it just seemed to be relentless. So you couldn't avoid the question of, in inverted commas, Wales needed a prison. Well, that was the narrative for, for many years and I think became a problem with Berwyn, actually. That was one of the problems that, that the, I think the community struggled to, to resist the prison because there had been for so many years this argument that it needed the prison it needed the prison which made any prison whatever shape size or wherever it was it was difficult to defend because the UK government were effectively ceding to the demands of apparently of North Wales for decades so so there was that as well it was in the news it was almost impossible to avoid and then as I got into my studies and I and I began to look at this in more detail there was a there's a quote that kind of stuck with me in it was in the evidence section of a, a report produced by the House of Commons Welsh Affairs Committee in 2007. And it was a quote from Paul Tidball, who was, the, I think he was the director of the Prison Governors Association. And to kind of paraphrase the quote, he said that Wales had an opportunity to bring initiative and flair into non-custodial alternatives because of devolution. Now, I didn't understand at the time what that really meant or what that would look like. And to be perfectly honest with you, now knowing the structures of devolution and the constitutional arrangements that govern criminal justice, I'm not sure how it would work now, to be honest. But just this idea that Wales could do something different. And of course, at this time, 2007, 2008, Patrick Carter, Lord Carter, had unveiled his plans for tightened prisons in England and Wales. So that was actually really quite an important moment, I guess, in my thinking that, well, one devolution, we didn't know an awful lot about it and how it related to criminal justice, but there was this sense that things could be different. So when you bring those three things together, this relentless campaign for a prison that I'd seen people in my community go to England and experience these problems, their family experienced these problems. And thirdly, this idea that it could be different. That was, yeah, I was captured from that moment onwards, I guess. I was struck from when we first met and did that meeting together in Wrexham that you viewed these questions as a justice issue in and of itself. Would you agree with that? And can you outline the injustices in the criminal justice system as you see them? Yeah, and it's an interesting time to talk about this. The decision to build a prison was very much a justice issue. 
So on Bedouin itself, that thing hurtled along very, very quickly. So I think by the time that we met, and in a sense, by the time I think people in Wrexham actually realised this is happening, it was very much a justice issue at that point. So, for example, making arguments about the trajectory of criminal justice policy and its relationship to social policy, it almost that, that had left the room. At this point, it was about, this was just about the MOJ plans. This was about who would be held there. It was very much a justice issue. And of course, this is happening across England at the moment as the UK government embarks on a, an enormous prison building project once again. There was a planning meeting recently in, in Wigan to discuss the expansion of HMP Hindley. What Wrexham and what we did, if you like, in that meeting, I think it was probably 2013 or 2014, there are communities across England now going through that. So the actual prison itself was very much a justice issue because that's how they work. That's how they do this. They gather their arms around it. And this is our issue. We are going to get this through. Not, We're not going to debate the merits of it from a wider perspective. But if we zoom out and if we just think about prisons and penal policy per se, I mean, you know, there are many people who would argue that criminal justice is, is one form of social policy. It's not its own island. It's not its own issue. It's actually part of a spectrum of a much broader discussion about social policy in general. And it's a real problem, actually, for the discipline, for people who, for, for, for universities. Criminology has exploded across higher education in the last 20 to 30 years. And in the process has probably decimated other, other degree programs. I mean, of course, I can only really talk about my experiences of working in other institutions, University of South Wales being, being one of them before I moved to Cardiff. But you, you just wonder whether that's actually been reflected in how criminology has grown as a discipline and it's now taught in hundreds of institutions so quite a lot of interesting work within social policy about what they describe as the criminalization of social policy and so particularly in the noughties era post new labor that social policy became involved in the criminal justice process formally in a way that it hadn't before and i think that it's now very difficult to talk about social policy and the criminal justice system without this kind of criminal justice takeover so it's absolutely not just about justice, but there are all kinds of structures in place that somehow necessitate that we continue to talk about this through a criminal justice lens. And I think that's actually part of the problem and a, a reframing of this discussion about social policy, about inequality, about injustice would actually be a much, much better way to talk about this. And maybe that's what we do in Wales in future. But it's also important to, I think, bear in mind that we also need to look at the justice system in and of itself and all of its failings. So, yeah, I think the better way was very much about justice, but the, the conversation more broadly has to be much broader than that. Prison numbers have gone up massively, haven't they? I remember being a probation officer in the mid-1990s and Michael Howard was Home Secretary in 1995 and the prison population then was around 45,000. It's almost double that now. How has it gone up so fast in such a relatively small time period? What's driven that, do you think? There are probably a number of things. One of the biggest is the longer sentence lengths. That is a, a particular problem. And only yesterday I was looking at the average custodial sentence length in Wales in the year 2000 compared to now. And you can see, I think it was 10 point something months in 2000. And I think last year, and of course COVID has had an effect, we were looking at about 17 months. So it's not necessarily more people going through the system then, but when they do go, they're there for longer. I think there's a combination, but I think that the initial reaction is always to think about the, the number of people who are 
coming into the front end of the system. And there's real merit in doing that and thinking about that. The other issue, of course, is then people being pulled back in. So recall is another big part of the problem. And then, of course, the fact that people are staying for longer. But even if we pull out and think about imprisonment rates per se, and it's a really important time to be thinking about this, and that is the relationship between the criminal justice system and deprivation and poverty. There's a report by the Bevan Foundation, which makes for quite sobering reading, which is that we are in for an incredibly difficult six months to a year. We are bracing ourselves. Many communities across the world are bracing themselves for an incredibly tough time. And I think that the relationship between deprivation and imprisonment in Wales, I mean, bear in mind the study of criminal justice in Wales is still relatively new. We're still learning things all the time because to actually disaggregate Wales from England is a fairly recent phenomena. We really do need to do a piece of work here on the relationship between the kind of wider social problems that we talked about in response to the previous question and imprisonment. And I'd be really interested to know what role that has played, not only in driving up imprisonment rates, but actually sustaining them. If we don't tackle poverty, then if there's that relationship exists between imprisonment and poverty, then we're never actually going to bring the imprisonment rate down. So again, I think it comes back to that previous question that the answers to some of these problems do not lie in the criminal justice system, but we also have to think about the relationship between them. Spot on, yeah, yeah. The Thomas Commission report made a very compelling case for the devolution of the criminal justice system, yet nothing has happened since it was published in 2019. What's your take on that? Why? So on the Welsh government side, I would say things have happened. But I think the question is mainly about Whitehall and their response. Well, firstly, I'll deal with Welsh government. They have, I think, started to actually take these questions far more seriously and and have begun a programme of work on this, which is to be welcomed. On the Westminster, on the Whitehall front, there has been, as you say, a non-response to this report. I think we have to put this in context. In One, that is consistent with Whitehall and Wales more generally. Going back to the beginning of devolution, there have been problems in Whitehall about understanding devolution, about taking devolution seriously. So this fits as part of a very neat pattern that actually Westminster just gives a kind of collective shrug to something in Wales. In that respect, it's not particularly unremarkable or, or remarkable. The second second issue about the justice, the main response was in a, a, a Westminster Hall debate on the 22nd of January 2020. And it's anyone interested in this issue, I would encourage you to have a look at the responses there. The, the main response has been to largely trivialise that many of the arguments in the report and that we've pulled out, for example, Wales having the highest imprisonment rate in Western Europe, you would like to think that that would have warranted some degree of interest, a piece of research or even a robust rebuttal or statement or explanation. We haven't seen anything. There's an argument here that it's actually just not that relevant, not that important to them. But actually the real business of the MOJ is is the prison building programme or tinkering with the probation service. It would call it transforming it. Other people would call it something slightly less kind, I think, and justifiably so. There has to be, it has to be in context. It's not particularly surprising. But the the other issue is, I think more importantly, is what what can they say? There's been arguments about how much this would cost. And there's an attempt to deflect away from this because we need to apparently talk about the real serious issues which the Thomas Commission does. The Thomas Commission just doesn't talk about the constitutional anomaly that is Wales. It actually talks about the relationship between the anomaly and all of these problems that face communities across Wales. So I I would absolutely love if on your podcast you could find somebody who would come out and talk about why the current system works. I think that would be fantastic. I would love to listen to some of these arguments. As academics, we look at all of the evidence as much as we can, both sides of the argument, but we just haven't seen that forthcoming. And I think one of the reasons being is because it's so difficult to actually put together a clear evidence-based articulate case 
to maintain the status quo, particularly under the weight of the recommendations of the Thomas Commission. Yeah, for that reason, I think I might be looking for some time for somebody to to do that. (laughs) Now, one of the arguments used in favour of the devolution of the criminal justice system is that we have too many people in prison far away from their homes, and many of them could be much better rehabilitated in the community or given the treatment they need for addictions or mental health conditions. And we could save large sums of money by cutting prison numbers and diverting people in that way. Could a Welsh criminal justice system look markedly different? Or do you think it would just be the same kind of system, but on a smaller Welsh scale? I I think that it most definitely could look different. There's no doubt that that Welsh government could design and shape an entirely different criminal justice system or just justice system, which would include social justice as part of that. The key to that question, though, obviously the emphasis is on could, is a lot of hard work needs to go in now to prepare for a situation one day where those powers are transferred to the Senate and the Welsh Government then as executive are responsible for the system. Because there's a huge amount we don't know about the system. So first and foremost, when we talk about imprisonment rates, we don't really know why this rate is so high in Wales. If we talk, as we have done in other research, about racial disproportionality within the criminal justice system, again, we've got that data to suggest these problems exist, but we've not really done a huge amount of work to understand and explain why or to really make sense of people's experiences of those processes. And stop and search would be an example, or sentencing would be another. So the real answer to that question about the issue of could, they absolutely could, but there has to be a serious amount of work going into one, what have we currently got, a full audit of the system as it currently is? What are the problems we ever think about the current system? And then secondly, you then have to do a huge amount of work to think about, well, how would you overcome those problems? What evidence is there about how you would overcome high imprisonment rates? I talked about this issue of racial disproportionality and stop and search. What would the Welsh government do to try and overcome that, for example? So I'm hopeful that, yes, absolutely, there could be a better system, but it's really important that people like myself in academia, people in civil society, politics, and of course in government are not complacent in looking at what the Welsh government has done previously, which I think there is evidence of progressive practice in Wales. And of course, it's hard to imagine them being less progressive than Whitehall. It's, I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but it's hard to imagine it. The bar is low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very low, exactly. But I mean, can't be complacency here. We have to really take these problems seriously. But then we also have to think about the kind of solution seriously. And I think, I think that requires hard work. It requires involvement, again, of politicians, civil society, academics, but also government. And then the question of could it would actually maybe be a reality. I've got another could question for you here now. Could a Welsh criminal justice system do better on hate-based crimes like racism, trans and homophobia, crimes against women or disabled people, do you think? And what needs to happen now in order to have a better system on those issues in Wales? Mm. Yeah, again, it's another could and the response follows a similar formula, really, that we could do. But I think we absolutely have to do more work to understand those problems in the Welsh context. 20 years time, people will look back on how little we knew about the Welsh system and scratch their heads. Even I look back 10 years ago, we knew absolutely nothing. We really didn't know anything about Welsh people in prison, where they were, how long they've been held for. Come on a lot in 10 years. So I think a lot of hard work now to better understand those problems and how they manifest themselves in, in Wales is the key starting point. And then once you've built up that understanding and actually listen to people's experiences of all of the problems that you've just listed, 
then you can begin to design and develop a policy response to those challenges. But at the moment, we're aware that those problems exist, of course, but the extent to which what they look like, what that feels like for communities across Wales, we talk about Wales as though it's homogenous. There are so many different communities in Wales and across Wales that to what extent is this shared out evenly? We can only guess and we shouldn't be developing policies and strategies based on what is effectively guesswork. We need to root this in evidence. That is the key to actually not just in coming up with innovative policies, but to sustain them when they're built on evidence. For example, in Finland, we did some work on how Finland had been able to reduce its prison population. And one of the ways in which it had done it is because it had built it on evidence. So if you had a really terrible case, a really terrible case, a high profile crime or case, which we, of course, we see in all jurisdictions from time to time, it wouldn't be enough to rock the foundations of the system. Yes, people would pose questions, are we too lenient? Is this soft in inverted commas? But because it was rooted in a clear evidence base and set of principles and values, it would plough through because there was a broader vision here. This was about something else. This was about principles of justice and fairness or equality before the law. There were broader things happening here. And so if we are to have a system which is fairer and which listens to people and in a sense reaches the right outcome, it has to be based on listening to people first and foremost. You do need a clear set of principles to underpin the system so it doesn't actually then cave to the whims of populist press or calls to get tougher, which of course we see in Whitehall and have seen in Whitehall for, well, for the best part of 30 years, I guess. One of the best examples of that, of course, is drug policy and the never-ending, useless, pointless, harmful war on drugs that has been going on for some 50 years. What could a Welsh, another quid question, what could a Welsh drugs policy look like? Could we take a Portuguese-style approach to drugs and raise money for public services by legalising and taxing more drugs than just alcohol and tobacco? You know, the fact this is another good question indicates just where we are in, in this debate, but also the, the kind of opportunities we've got here to think differently about all of these problems. First thing, again, and sorry to be slightly repetitive, is to get a sense of what's going wrong. If we ought to come up with a devise an alternative solution or progressive solution, an evidence-based solution, then we have to start with what's gone wrong. We have to think about that. Very often the question is posed, and there was a really famous book in the 80s, what is to be done about law and order? But I often think flipping that question is a better place to start, is what is not to be done on law and order. And I think by actually thinking about what we've done wrong is part of that process. Anybody that's ever seen The Wire will be aware of the problems that the war on drugs and, and that approach to criminalisation has produced. I think that Portugal offers an interesting model. I haven't really kept up to date with the, the various developments and how that policy is, kind of the outcomes of it. And I'm sure there are lots of unintended outcomes that would need to be considered. But I think it offers a model about it doesn't have to be this way. And I think that's where we are with criminal justice policy at the moment, is that there's just a sense of, we've talked about continuity theory, that these things just roll on and on and on. And I'm currently doing some work on prison building and this idea of prison modernization. And I've had to go back to the archives to trace this. This goes back to the 50s. The trajectory of UK prison building policy is not new. It's got nothing to do with fresh ideas or this is actually something we've seen for decades. So I think there's a real opportunity to think, one, again, about innovative approaches elsewhere and evidence. But again, sorry to like a broken record, but it has to be built on an understanding of the various different problems that we currently face. And I think there is research out there that's indicating the problems with the criminalisation approach. But yeah, an embrace of a public health approach. But it's, again, it's hard to see how we could get it even worse than we currently have. It. I'm not saying that's impossible. 
but it's very difficult. As you say, the bar is low. So there's all kinds of possibilities there, I think. The potential is to save money and to save lives, of course, I think. But as you say, we need to have a better understanding as to where we are before we can come up with the policies to provide solutions. If you were the First Minister of Cymru, what would you do to get this agenda moving? What can be done politically to devolve the criminal justice system? Politically, that's a good question, because I never really think about it in those terms. I think that we need to have, um, again, a much better understanding of the problems that communities in Wales face. I think that the Thomas Commission has done incredibly thorough and detailed job on why this is a constitutional anomaly that Wales has its own legislature, its own parliament, but doesn't have a justice system. That case has been made and the silence from Westminster and Whitehall indicates that that's accepted. But what now we need to think about is the relationship between the constitutional anomaly and the problems that communities across Wales face. What is the symbiosis between those two things? So it may well be that, and I think we've made this argument elsewhere, you, you cannot look at the imprisonment rate in Wales and say, well, that is because of these highly anomalous constitutional arrangements. But what you can say is, well, you may never overcome that high imprisonment rate because of these highly anomalous constitutional arrangements, or you will never expose them or be able to scrutinise them. So I think more needs to be done to problematise the current arrangements. There's obviously a lot of emphasis on partnership working, and we're working alongside HMPPS or working alongside the Home Office. And of course, they need to work in partnership. The system wouldn't function if the UK and Welsh Government didn't work together. But there also needs to be a clear sense of what are these problems with the current devolution dispensation and, and this highly unorthodox justice system, what we've referred to as, and others have, as the jagged edge of justice in Wales. So we need to do that. We need to continue to think about the problems and explore what those problems are. The second thing, I think, politically, that the Welsh Government and they're starting this, but I think they need to continue to work on a ramp up, is what would a Welsh justice policy look like? And this is early days for them, so I, it's not a case of pointing at the watch saying, where is it? But it would really benefit us to know, coming back to some of the questions, what would a Welsh drug policy look like? What would Welsh police forces, or what would a Welsh police look like? If the Welsh government wants to reduce prison numbers, which it said it does in its recent strategy, what would that look like? How would that be achieved? Would they actually try to reverse some of the legislation we've seen in Whitehall where actually sentences are going up, sentence lengths are increasing? Are they going to reverse that? And if so, what for? There's so many things that we don't know at this stage in time, which is why the, if you were doing a word map of this podcast, the word could would be enormous in the middle of the page because that's where we're at. And again, to come back to it, it's a really exciting place to be when we talk about could and all this potential and all the possibilities. But at some point politically, could needs to change to would. There's no pun on your surname there. But the, I, think that, I think that's the key shift. What would it look like? And once we get that detail, I think that's when Whitehall and Westminster will really have to start attending to Wales differently because a clear vision based on evidence and based on examples from elsewhere, is beginning to build in Wales. And when you've got such a failing system in Whitehall, that then becomes very, very difficult to defend against, I think, politically. Because you have more emphasis on the problems, but also commit to a, what its vision would look like. And as that becomes clearer, I think that we maybe use the word could less. Rob. Very, very interesting discussion. Thanks. Deal. I'd like to say Diolch to those who have helped me with this project. Diolch to the team at Audacity, the open source audio editing software used to make this podcast. Diolch to Nick James for the artwork. 
Diolch to Llewyn Stefan, the creator of the music. And finally, Diolch to all the podcast supporting subscribers. I'm grateful to all of you. I'm looking for support to continue to make these podcasts. You can become a supporting subscriber by checking out my Patreon page. You have been listening to the Leanne Wood Podcast.